Today on Season 2, Episode 64 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, once again, Jared joins Bryce on yet another glorious victory Monday. The Packers take down the Broncos to move to 3-0. The defense stays white hot, the offense shows signs of life, and we look on to next Thursday's matchup against the Eagles. And now it's time for Post Game 3, Broncos on tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for post-game three of the Broncos. Packers moved to 3-0. I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen, and alongside me, I have... Jared Masuga. What is going on, Jared? How are you? I'm feeling good. I mean, 3-0 feels good no matter how we got there. Um, It wasn't the prettiest, just kind of like week one and week two, but, you know, defense stepping up again, uh, coming through when we needed them most, uh, that was the biggest thing, so... I'm happy. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more improvement, but I cannot complain with 3-0. No, I, uh, I'm with you on that, too. It's, I'll take leads and wins all day. I tweeted that out during the game, and maybe it was my own gut feeling with how the Packers were playing, but I will take leads. I will take wins all day. But before we dive in, I mean, Packers, Packers moved to 3-0. Uh, what was your uh, what were your pregame feelings going into Sunday's game? Kickoff was at twelve at Lambeau. Well, to be honest, um, for this week, I was actually a lot more nervous coming into this game than I was last week. As soon as I saw that it was raining, that's when I really got nervous because I just don't like the feel of rain games. You know, it's hard for receivers to catch the ball. There's tends to be more fumbles, um, and as we saw, you know, a lot of traction issues on the field. Um, I think that was a big reason why, you know, a lot of the coverage was kind of getting busted on some of those plays. And obviously, I, you know, you saw Devontae slip up here and there. But just based on going into it, I was nervous. I, I thought, you know, it's the Broncos. You know, we should be able to win this game. But, yeah, I was a little nervous. Other than that, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident in our defense now. So that's helping, you know, pregame vibes a lot for me at least um, compared to previous years where we knew that it was going to have to be Aaron doing everything. Um, it, right. It's easy to be a little bit more confident going into games now. See, the, I, I'm i way more confident and I just feel going in, beating, beating Chicago, beating Minnesota, and now beating Denver where there are maybe some, maybe a lot of prognosticators saying that the Broncos and Packers could be a trap game. And so going into it, I, I, I pushed all that out and I, I felt pretty good. And it's probably the most confident and the most calm I've been in quite some time. And I I didn't try I tried to not freak myself out too because I felt so calm. I'm like, why do I feel so calm? Maybe, maybe there's a reason I'm too calm. Okay. I should be more jacked up for this game. Why am I not jacked up? Packers are two and oh, they could go three and oh. But going in, I, I I just felt I felt good. I, I still believe 
that it's going to take week seven, week eight, that halfway point for us to really see the offense clicking. But once that happens, look out and take us through the game right now. So pregame vibes, Packers, Broncos, 27-16. Like I said, Packers moved to 3-0. But the overall game, let's let's go through quarter by quarter for the first half of post-game three, the Broncos. Give me your first first quarter overall take. Uh, well, obviously, we started really fast. Just like last week, we came out um, that first drive. It was all money, five yard, or five plays, 75 yards, just drove it down their throat. And then, of course, we saw Aaron uh, get them to jump off sides, which is something we really haven't seen in a while just because they changed that right. rule. They um, made it so, you know, if it is even the slightest bit of an encroachment, they usually blow the play dead. But he got it right on time, and MVS beat him. He beat that safety right over the top. Aaron knew exactly where to go with the ball, came up with a good catch down there in the end zone. So that was a great start. You know, the defense also started well after that 53-yard, 59-yard kickoff return. Um, they, you yeah. know, bucked up and really got a good stop there. Um, I just kind of wish we would have been able to come back on that next drive, keep that momentum that we had. Um, unfortunately, we did end up having to punt, um, and then they came down and scored. But I, the the first quarter was a little bit shaky, a little bit inconsistent. You know, I believe we were up 10-7 going into the second, but... The thing with the Broncos is they were just every drive was methodically marching it down the field. I mean, their first their first touchdown drive, fifteen plays. Um, I believe they milked eight minutes off the clock, so it was just hmm. frustrating at that point to watch because it, it was so methodical. And we really, you know, we were gassed to be completely honest. And it was the same play over and over again. They're just shoving it down our throat through the middle and dinking and dunking over the middle out of the backfield with Philip Lindsay. I, he had a better game today than I expected. So um, that was the most frustrating thing, I think. But, you know, the the biggest thing is when we did need the defense to step up, they came up in a huge way. I mean, Preston Smith was just an animal today. You know, three sacks, the game-winning mm -hmm. sack, uh, forced fumble on Joe Flacco. It's, mm -hmm. it's The Smiths are just showing up, proving why they are worth that money. Um, and it was it was awesome. It was awesome to see. For for me, a week ago, Minnesota completely gashed the Packers for 198 rushing yards on 27 carries, a tune of 7.3 yards per run. And even though Denver didn't get quite as much, they still had 149 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So that for me, seeing how the Broncos started off, the Packers jumped. I mean, big statement drive right off the bat. Like you said, it's it's tougher now to get the team or to get the defense to jump off sides and get that free play. And I, I feel when you have that statement drive, especially the first drive, uh, Broncos win the coin toss and defer, and you have that, that I, I'm encouraged. And so I just, I, I want to see it continue to progress and ascend, but there's no doubt that the Packers can completely go the length of the field and score a touchdown. Right after that, that's when, you know, you have a 15-play drive for the Broncos. It results in that Lindsey touchdown. So there there you have that, like, that big question mark with that Packers run defense. But throughout the game, you're kind of getting this theme where the Packers are going to give up yards, but they're going to tighten up, and it's all about turnovers. So it's all about sticky play. It's all about aggressive, swarming defense. So I'll take all those yards all day, and the Packers' offense is still struggling. But going into half... Packers up 17-10, and 
And you had Preston Smith with the strip that led to the Aaron Jones touchdown. Now, take me through that second quarter. We we went into halftime 17-10, but you had, again, a big momentum shift where you have Preston Smith, like you said, a big-time free agent acquisition where, man, Gutekunst must be sitting back and looking at this going, this is why we brought them in. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that that, that forced fumble by him was the biggest play of the game. I mean, they were driving down. I believe they were inside the 40 when it happened. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just my recollection mm-hmm. Recollection of it. Um, you know, they were getting the ball back at half. It was 10 to 10. Here comes Preston Smith, comes in, gets that sack, forced fumble. It's a basically what could have been a 14-point swing where we get the ball, go down and score, and then stop them on um, defense, end up kneeling the ball going into the half. But a 14-point swing right there, like I said, you could argue that it was the most important play of the game because they stopped them right when they needed to and went down and got took care of business. So, yeah, I mean, that that was an amazing play by Preston. As I said, he just had an incredible game. And, you know, like you said, I'm sure Goot's just sitting back and he's, you know... Very happy with the decisions he made in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a complete transformation. I mean, you're looking at plays by Jair. You're looking at plays by Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Darnell Savage. We'll talk about them in, in the second half, but that's that's the thing where you're, you're going to have offenses like the Kansas City Chiefs, like the New England Patriots, Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Rams as well, too, that are going to put up numbers, but... Again, I, I still think defense wins championships, and you're just seeing a totally different type of defense. And maybe I haven't watched a lot of, I mean, I've been watching a lot of other NFL games, but maybe I'm biased too with, with the Green Bay Packers defense. But I'm looking at this defense, and I'm thinking they, they, they can go toe-to-toe. They can make plays. And, I mean, knock on wood, as long as they stay healthy, I just look at this defense as being maybe one of the best defenses that I've ever seen put on the green and gold. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after the game when Jair was in the media scrum, they asked him, (laughs) like, is this the best defense in the league? And he said, without hesitation, no doubt, he truly believes that they are the best defense in the NFL. Um, and Best everything. Really, yeah, exactly. Um, That's what he said. He's like, best defense, best everything. Right. And that's a fact. (laughs) I'm like, man, I love that swagger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's incredible. The thing that really I take away from it, as opposed this year to last year, is the amount of turnovers they're forcing. I believe, I, I I can't remember the exact number. I haven't actually looked it up in a while, but I think we only intercepted between 8 and 12 passes last year. I it's, It was such a low number that we, we were just not turning the ball over at all. And this year in three games, we're averaging nearly three turnovers a game forced which is, yeah. is just a complete turnaround. I mean, granted, we should have probably 13 or 14 total, but they are just making plays after play after play on the ball, whether it's Preston, um, Darnell Savage today, Jair breaking up passes, Kevin King intercepting passes. I mean, everybody is contributing, and it's just so great to see because we've been such a deprived franchise without a defense since we won the Super Bowl. We haven't seen this. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I love, I love watching them on Sundays. I, I'm actually more excited when the defense is on the field than the offense. And that's just something I have not been able to say in a long time. It's refreshing. And I mean, they had several defensive playmakers and specifically, you're looking at the late in the first half of the game tied 10, 10, you had Preston Smith that sacked Joe Flacco, which produced a fumble, uh, rookie 
linebacker, number 12th overall pick. Rashawn Jerry recovers it at the five-yard line. A couple plays later, Aaron Jones scampers in seven yards out, and that gives the 7-10 lead. And the Packers didn't look back after that. So 7-10, that was, that was it. Uh, moving forward, you also had on the first drive of the second half, they're they're driving. Broncos are driving right now, and there there you have it. Your boy Jair Alexander, pickpocket, highway robbery on rookie tight end Noah Fant, and recovered it at the Denver thirty seven. Four plays later, Jones bounces offside, scores again. It's twenty four ten. I mean, they didn't look back after that. Late in the third quarter, they're not even done. Broncos are trailing twenty four sixteen. Drove to the Green Bay Packers thirty eight yard line. And you have Darnell Macho Man Savage, the great white shark, smells blood in the water with a diving interception to kill the Broncos drive that was challenged by the Green Bay Packers because it was called incomplete. And Matt LaFleur, head coach Matt LaFleur said afterwards, we always talk about winning the turnover battle. And that's the biggest thing. Like, they'll give up yards and maybe the offense, you know, sputters here and there. And say we go into, uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but as we wrap up the first half, of post-game three, Broncos, Packers sitting 3-0. and I think when you go looking in deep into the playoffs and thinking about the Green Bay Packers and thinking about what this team could do, the thing that really sticks out to me is that I think the offense can sputter and the defense is still going to be there and prevail. And here's a statistic that I wanted to share out as we wrap up real quick. Since 1990, NFL teams that began the season 3-0 reached the playoffs 73.8% of the time. Those same teams win their division roughly 50% of the time. Good news for the Green Bay Packers, improving to 3-0 for the fifth time since 2001. In the other four seasons, the Packers have averaged 12.25 wins per year and reached the playoffs each time. Any closing thoughts as we wrap up the first half, Jared? I mean, you know, basically what we've been saying, this defense is there. Um, we are not really waiting for them to come through on anything anymore. Obviously, the offense is the thing that's you know, hasn't been put all together right now. But just thinking ahead going forward, I mean, if as long as the defense can continue to play consistently, once we get that offense going, you know, if it does start clicking, I truly don't see a team that's going to be able to stop us or, you know, beat us against our defense it just doesn't is i i think if you're right about um us starting to click in week seven eight i think that if that happens we could realistically go into kansas city put a beating on them and come out on top and you know <laughs> i mean i'm just i'm feeling good but oh yeah for sure we're three and oh you gotta feel good baby yeah. you gotta feel good i mean who really expected it uh I didn't think that we would. I thought maybe if at the first three game stretch we might two and two two and one, and I'd be happy. One of those Viking Bears. Uh, I felt like we would beat the Broncos, but the Bears Vikings beating those two teams, followed it up with this whole trap talk game, which I didn't believe, and I loved the John Kuhn media guy now for the Green Bay Packers asking quarterback Aaron Rodgers, "Is this a trap game?" And Aaron Rodgers pretty much saying. Or did say, look at you, all grown up now. <laughs> look at you, just growing up right before my eyes, asking me a question. We talked about that when you were right by my locker, talking about when media would ask about trap games. So for me, seeing how the how the Packers drive their first drive, just statement at Lambeau, which reportedly had quite the influx of the uh, Denver Bronco fans as well. 
I couldn't be more happier than them sitting three and three and zero right now. I, I, I'm with you. I think as long as the defense continues to play like this, we're not giving up big plays. Even Mike Pettin emphasizes that that he he doesn't care about that. There's a quote that he says, "You can fly to Miami faster than walking there." So he's all about limiting those big plays. Sure, you can run the ball on us, but we'll tighten up on third down. We'll tighten up in the red zone. You're thinking touchdown. We'll give you three, or you're driving at the fifty. Getting into you know the scoring territory and we'll and we'll shut you down. We'll push you back and you'll punt. So I I, I look at Petten on the sidelines. This whole defense, I, I just have never seen us this this type of swagger for the Green Bay Packers or in the NFL. We're making a statement right now, and I love what Jair Alexander said. Yeah, the swagger and the camaraderie. I mean, every turnover you're seeing these guys sprint to the end zone <laughs> so they can get a team picture or do a celebration. Yeah, no it's kidding. Awesome. I love it. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, just like they have camaraderie for each other, we have camaraderie with the Unknown Packers podcast. We're going to wrap up post game three Broncos, the first half. Enjoy this commercial break. We'll be right back. Go, Pack Go. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. If you like what you are hearing and would like to help us grow, take a minute to rate us on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the more visible we will be to Packer fans like you. Again, thank you so much for listening. This show wouldn't happen without your support. Now, let's get back to the second half. And we are back for the second half of post game three. The Broncos, Packers, three and O. Oh, I'm going to keep on saying it, three and O. Oh, I will take wins all game long, uh, inconsistencies or not. We'll talk about inconsistencies a little bit later on as we wrap up this episode. But uh, let's talk about some positives, game balls for your Green Bay Packers, who again sit three and O, oh, undefeated right now. Savor it. Soak it up. It feels good. But uh, let's start off with the first game ball, Jared. Who do you have? First game ball for me is going to be uh, Rayshon Gary. First game ball of his young NFL Ooh. career. Um, I know Nebels was uh, saying some things that were being said in the stands weren't very happy when he got injured, but he came right back. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was made, disgusted me. I am not a fan of that. Yep. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, look at his stats. He had a sack, one sack registered. He was in on another one. They didn't give him a half sack on that one. But one sack and a fumble recovery, he was getting pressure. Um, it looks like he's getting a lot more comfortable coming off the edge. Uh, he just is starting to look a little bit more natural in that position. I think he had a little bit of a coming out party today, uh, and I really like to see that. You know, that sack was I don't know if you saw exactly where he came from on that, but it looked like he looped around about 10 yards, came back, then bull rushed the right tackle, and then got to mm-hmm. Joe Flacco, which is credit to the coverage down the field. But yeah, um, yeah he's going to get my first game ball just because of his little coming out party there. Um, I really liked what he did today. He looked really good. Um, and it's good to have someone behind the Smiths. If they need a blow, he can come in and get take care of business there get that uh get that monkey off your back a little bit you know get that you know get that sack make that play you know recover that forced fumble get down there get dirty i love it 12th overall pick and uh i couldn't be happier 
Anything left with uh, Rashawn Gary? Well, just like you just said, I mean, get the monkey off your back. I think the the biggest Mm -hmm. thing with him is he thinks a little bit too much when he's playing and that gets himself in his head. I just think having a game like that is going to be big for his confidence. So um, I am really glad that he did have a good game today and just excited to see what he can do going forward. I I think he has a lot of potential and he's only going to get better learning behind Preston and Zedarius. I mean, three weeks in. We were saying that he might be a project. I mean, we weren't saying it here on the Unknown Packers podcast, but I mean, you're you're reading that he's going to be a project. It's going to take some time to develop, and it's definitely going to take some time to develop for him. But you got to be happier. I mean, you got to be happy for for the kid just going out there producing at hometown crowd. I mean, maybe there's some Bronco fans up in there, but uh, Lambeau Field producing for your fans, getting that roar, getting that cheer, and I love it. My first game ball. We talk about wide receiver two, and we needed someone to spell Devontae Adams. And I thought Devontae Adams was going to have a bigger game today because they stopped feeding him the ball when he was completely just shredding Xavier Rhodes and the uh, Minnesota Vikings secondary. But Marcos Valdez-Scantling is going to get my first game ball because that was my biggest concern is, is there going to be a playmaker outside of Devontae Adams and and Aaron Jones? And see Marcos Velda, Scantlin, six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Scoring that touchdown on the first drive, that big statement, that legit 4-3 speed, as Aaron Rodgers would say. I mean, this is this is great. We're, we're starting to see a year two progression from Marcos Velda, Scantling. And now you're starting to see a guy that is getting comfortable there. And you've got a burner. You've got a burner that we haven't had in a really long time that I think can comp- compliment Devonta Adams. So he ge- he gets my first game ball. Uh, your your game ball two or any comments on my game ball one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think MVS did have a great game. Um, he did have a couple of drops that I wasn't too happy with, but um, like I said, you know, at the beginning of the of the podcast when I was talking about the rain, that's what comes along with the weather. So. Not going to blame him too much. Six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown is uh, hard to go against, especially when you know he hasn't had a game like that since early last year before teams really even knew who he was. So it was nice to see that, um, especially you know the defense or the Denver defense isn't a slouch. So he did it on a you know a pretty solid team there, and I, I really liked uh, what he did today, especially on that touchdown. That was a beautiful ball and a beautiful catch. Absolutely, game ball two, Jared. Game ball two is going to go to my man, Preston Smith, obviously. Three sacks, (laughs) one forced fumble. He's got four and a half, an interception and a forced fumble for the year. Looking like a legit defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, the man is all over the place. He's making plays in the run game, making plays in the pass game, rushing the quarterback. You know, he is he's one of the most versatile outside linebackers I've ever seen. And he had the game-winning sack today. Like, he had that play that we talked about where, you know, there was the biggest momentum shift of the game, in my opinion. He was our best player on defense today. I loved what he did, and it's another one I am just so happy to have. It is amazing that we have those two guys rushing the outside, and it's such a change from last year. It's so refreshing. Yeah, I'm going to echo your statements, not specifically with uh, Preston Smith, but really just turnovers. Game ball two for me is just turnovers and takeaways. And as Mike Pettin says, takeaways is the biggest determining factor. 
That's something that we've made an investment in in a lot of different ways. And it's something we stress every day. And we've gotten results both in practice and in the preseason games. We're hopeful that's going to carry over because we think we developed really good habits. I think these guys are doing things to help create takeaways to the point now where it's ingrained in how they want to play. And it, it, it's it's so it's impressive. I mean, it's just the minute you start thinking like, oh, boy, all right, are they starting to let up? Are they starting to maybe give up some momentum and let this opposing offense drive down down their throats like we've been accustomed to in years past. But instead of that, you're you're just seeing not only stops, but big-time turnovers. And that's the exciting thing, that Brian Gutekunst went out there and decided to invest in some sticky type of defenders in Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage with that interception, Jair Alexander with that just slick pickpocket. I mean... It's, it's incredible. He did that in front of 60,000 people. No ticket, nothing. Just right there. Just pickpocket and just off, off he went. And the thing that bothered me, one, that I wanted to talk about, about this pickpocket, this forced fumble that he had, is it's unbelievable that the refs caught, like, blew that whistle, or uh, uh, didn't blow that whistle, but then blew the whistle for the Darnell Savage interception that they called incomplete. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't understand. That that's something that I, I, I mean, we're gonna get turnovers, but I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Is that going to hinder us some at some point down the road? But my game ball too is just turnovers and just, I mean, this is the second time in three games that the Packers have forced at least three turnovers. Last year they had two games all season with three plus takeaways. Two of the turnovers set up short touchdown drives. And then you just aided an offense that has yet to find that stride. But once, like you and I have said, week seven, week eight, once that starts clicking, you've already got the foundation with this defense. And the, Mike Penton went in talking about more takeaways for a defense that came up with only 15 last year. Incredible. Including the second lowest interception total seven in the league last year. And now you're just seeing week in, week out, three games in, Packers are 3-0. and So I know it's a, maybe a little unusual just to pick turnovers, but that'll be my game ball is just the turnover aspect for the Green Bay Packers. Give me your take on game ball three as we wrap up this portion. Yeah, my game ball three is actually going to go to the offensive line. Giving up zero sacks against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I know they haven't had the greatest first few games. They haven't really been pressuring the quarterback too much and neither the whole team actually doesn't even have a sack yet this year. But I still think, you know, that's a scary defensive front. You don't want Von Miller and Bradley Chubb breathing down your neck. And we got a game on Thursday. So keeping Aaron Rodgers upright, zero sacks the whole game. I know he was happy in his postgame presser. He was thanking the offensive line for doing what they did. Um, I just think that was a super important part of the game. Although we didn't, you know, still didn't get the offense going too much for, you know, what we did have going. It was it was good to have them keeping him upright. Um, the zero sacks is a big thing that I love to see considering the first two games, you know, the Bears kind of had our way with us week one and the Vikings had a few last week. Um, and I would equal the Broncos uh, outside rushers just as good as the Vikings and Bears. So I thought they did a great job. Was happy to see that. Just looking forward to them building on that. And I loved El- Elton Jenkins today, too. That was awesome. I'm glad you you, you mentioned the unsung heroes of the NFL Football League and Elton Jenkins, boy, man, he is nasty. He just know he's so imposing. He's so big. I love him out there. He just is a big protector, can go to the second level when it comes to blocking. I look at him as what Quentin Nelson is to the Indianapolis Colts. He's going to be a major 
cog and a pivotal player for the Green Bay Packers. I'm glad you mentioned him. My game ball three is actually the overall run game for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones, I mean, uh, definitely got the most important carries, two touchdowns. But Jamal Williams, I was really impressed with, which had 12 carries for 59 yards and added uh, two catches for 27 yards, was able to extend drives, was able to pick up some really hard-earned yardage. Also uh, came up close on that, what, third and 20, where a little shuffle pass from Aaron Rodgers and Jamal Williams took it about 17, 18 yards. So I'm interested to see what are we going to see moving forward with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, but... We definitely have a duo now that I think that can alleviate some uh, some burden for Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers has yet to throw an interception as well. Uh, NFL best 16 straight game without an interception. Knock on wood. He moves to 13, 2 and 1 at Green Bay in his last 16 games. Yeah, I love the emotion that Jamal Williams ran with today. Um especially that one run uh, where the whole offensive line came in behind him and they were just pushing the pile and got him over that first down line. And he gets up and he's dancing as <laughs> J-Swig Daddy does. Um, that yep. was that was great to see. Uh, and then he had, uh, he had another one where they, they just, you know, they were not blowing the whistle today. They were letting mm-hmm. the piles push each other on both sides of the ball. And he just keeps his legs churning and gets that first down. Uh, he ran with a passion and a purpose today. Um, so I totally agree with you on that game ball. I, I love the running game too. And I think it's, I realistically, I do think it's only going to get better. I mean, we saw that 100-yard right. breakout game from Aaron Jones last week. And yep. we've played these hard fronts. I mean, we're going up enough against another one on, on Thursday, albeit they are banged up. But, you know, we just have a tough tough stretch those these first five games against defenses. I mean, we got Bears, Vikings, Broncos, uh, Eagles, and then the Cowboys, who are probably five top 15 defenses at least in the NFL. So, you know, it's going to get better. I think it's a good thing that we are facing these teams earlier in the season because it's... it's Winning these games while adjusting to a new offense is a huge confidence booster to that whole side of the ball. Like I said, taking leads into half, taking wins to end games, I will take that all day long. You have Preston Smith with three sacks, Zadari Smith with two, and Rashawn Gary with one. Interception with uh, Darnell Savage, uh, a fumble recovery, recovery with Jair Alexander, as well as Rashawn Gary that was stripped by Preston Smith. So just a game that I haven't seen in a really, really long time. Do want to wrap up here post game three, the Broncos, with just some concerns. Packers do sit three and O, but there's definitely it's not all rainbows and pixie tails and unicorns, pixie, pixie sticks, pixie tails. I tried to say ponytails and pixie sticks, and I got pixie tails and unicorns. There's some there are some concerns with this Green Bay Packers team. And one I want to talk about as we wrap up post-game three, the Broncos, is Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. All week long, you had this clickbait banter about this friction between them. And you do see them on the sidelines. You do see Aaron Rodgers come off the play, and he's he's he is complaining about play calls in some manner. Definitely could read his lips on, on that. And then him and Matt LaFleur get into a little heated exchange. And for me, the one thing that I I took a positive note from was that at least it wasn't this passive-aggressive stuff that we've seen in the past with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Friction's good, and as as well as you can come at it with, with a point of respect, as well as I think they just want to win. But 
I do want to say this. What was your take on that with the exchange on the sideline? Will it be something that obviously the media is going to, I think, just blow this out of proportion, but is it a legitimate concern or is it my take where I think there's some positive in this? Oh, I totally agree with you. I, I The media is going to drag it on for as long as they can and it's the most true you know, drawn out story in sports right now. The thing that I love to see really is whenever Aaron has a bad drive or a bad pass or, you know, something goes wrong here or there, Matt LaFleur is over on the bench with him. They are working through whatever problem Aaron is having, what he's seeing. You know, I, I don't care if there's a little bit of, you know, banter back and forth. You have a MVP Hall of Fame quarterback and a first year head coach that are trying to mend together. I don't think Mm -hmm. there's any problems with the relationship. They both speak very highly of each other. You know, Aaron says, Matt calls me at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And I ask him, what are you doing at Lambeau right now? Like, go home. It's Saturday. (laughs) But that is something that when Aaron sees that, sees how hard you're working or how hard he's working, that is where the respect is being earned. And that is not a problem with Matt LaFleur. I, I, I think Aaron has his full and utter respect. I don't think it's, we'll see, it's, we see it all the time. Every coach and uh, at least one player get into a slight little argument, I guess, for lack of a better term, but it's not like a fist fight on the sidelines where they're not talking to each other. They're not being uh, petty and passive aggressive, like you said. Like, I would much rather them talk it out, get to the bottom of the problem, get on the same page. And going forward, as they get on the same page more and more, that's when the offense is going to start to click. So I have no problems with it at all. Exactly. Well, I just wanted to address it, too. And I think it just comes down to two guys that really want to win. And I'll take that all day. That's my phrase, all day. I'll take leads. I'll take wins. I will take healthy disagreements and two competitive guys that want to win. There are a couple concerns for me. Uh, One is the run game. I, I am concerned where... The Packers defense gets, you know, they give up a lot of yards. They do tighten up. They 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 create turnovers. They they pressure the quarterback. But when they give up a lot of those run yards, I mean, that gasses a defense. Mm-hmm. And my biggest concern, too, is like, how are you going to adjust from that? Because that can't be something that you can sustain over a 16-game season. And the way we're looking at it, 72, 73% of teams that start 3-0 are going to the playoffs. Yeah. So the Packers are a legitimate playoff team right now, in my opinion. And But I don't think they can sustain it with teams that have like an Ezekiel Elliott or a Todd Gurley that can just gash us. And so that's the, that's the concern is if you have a run game as well as a quarterback like the Cowboys do. But going into... Uh, Thursday's game against the Eagles, you have Carson Wentz. You've got an interesting trio of Jordan Howard and what Darren Sproles, Miles Sanders yep. as well. Yeah. But do you think that this is a, a legitimate concern, or is it just going to be one of those things where we'll we'll give up yards and we'll continue to create turnovers? And maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion that this this defense won't get gassed. Uh, as as the season continues. No, I mean, you can see them getting gassed on the sidelines. It's it's not, you know, or on the field when they're on the field giving on a, during a long drive. It's not a secret to anybody. And the biggest problem is we don't have a, a huge playmaking middle linebacker. I know a lot of people might get upset by the fact me saying that with Blake Martinez there. But if we're going to look at his entire career, yes, he does make tackles, but he has trouble filling lanes. He has trouble making plays, whether it be a turnover via fumble or interception. He can make a tackle. Sure, no problem. Send him out there to do that. But 
that is what we lack the most is a playmaking, hole-filling middle linebacker that can stuff the run. And that is when they get past that defensive line, defensive line is stout with Kenny and Dean and uh, Preston Zedarius, but when they get to that second level, there's no telling what's going to happen because we don't have that person that we can rely on right there to make the the play. And I do think it's going to be a concern for most of the year. I really don't see a way unless we trade for a middle linebacker, which there's really none we could trade for at this point that are going to make any more difference than Blake Martinez would. Um, I think it's going to be a lingering issue. I think we're, we're going to give up a lot of yards on the ground, but kind of an homage to, you know, the 2011 through 13 defenses with Dom Capers, if they can when it comes to the running game, if they can adopt that bend but don't break mentality and get a turnover when it matters, that's you know that's what's go- it's going to come down to. Um, and they've done it consistently through the first three games. They will bend, and usually they will not break. So um, yeah, that's uh, I agree with you. That's my biggest concern on the defensive side of the ball. You're right. At middle linebacker, I mean, I I think Blake Martinez does like the little things that like we ask him to do. But is he going to blow up a play? Is he going to change the field? Is he going to tilt the field? No. So my hope is that that they can pick up from this. That Petten can can find adjustments. They've got three games in. They know what this Achilles heel is now. Is that they give up a lot of yards on the ground. An- another concern that I wanted to address with you is uh, special teams play. You know, we we did, I mean, we do have J.K. Scott and his horse leg that just belts it 66 yards. Good Lord. Somewhere Pat McAfee has climaxed in a way where, <laughs> and, and Nebels will have fun where, whether or not he'll edit this out. So we'll, I, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to that. But there were so, definitely some concerns with special teams giving up a huge play after that statement drive touchdown. Um, that's concerning. I mean, luckily the defense clamped down. Didn't give up any points on that. But again, when you play teams that capitalize off of that, that's where I think that the Packers are going to be uh, uh, getting themselves into trouble. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. Um, the thing, that, the way that I look at it, I guess, is up until that kickoff return, we really had seen pretty good coverage on punts. What One thing that I've noticed on our side of the special teams is we haven't been committing as many penalties, I don't think, on returns. Granted, we are having a lot of fair catches, but that's a positive when we're looking at us catching punts and kicks. The Tony Brown play, that's another thing that, you know, where I see where you're coming from there is that could have been a completely boneheaded play had they capitalized in a big way off of that. Right. Because they downed it inside the five. Like, that is where you want it. JK put it right where we need it. And... Tony Brown just not looking for the returner, plows him over. And that was the problem with Tony Brown last year is just boneheaded plays in the wrong time. He just needs to, that's his, he needs to just focus on something sometimes. And, it's the and, little things. Right. It's the little things. So yeah, little th- if we come up against a returner like this kid on New Orleans or Tyree Kill when we play the Chiefs, they might be able to bust something and they are definitely going to capitalize on that. I, I definitely agree with that. Well, especially when, I mean, and it's going to take some time. So week six or week seven, week eight, we keep on saying that. But I, when we talk about three phases of football, offense, defense, and special teams, really it's just one phase of the football It's playing exceptionally well right now, and that's the defense. And so outside of a couple, maybe one player in J.K. Scott on special teams, but you have Mason Crosby that misses a field goal in the fourth quarter. It doesn't It doesn't hurt them. 
But that's the thing. Will it hurt you? And maybe right. I'm, you know, I'm doing this whole philosophy bit on will they or won't, you know, I, I just, the thing that concerns me is that I've seen it before where these little hiccups early in the season come back in a really bad way when it really means something. And so that's where I'm just trying to address it. So there still needs some polishing up on the offense and special teams. But as we wrap up post game three, Broncos on tap, myself and Jared, We've got a quick turnaround with uh, the Packers playing the Eagles. Eagles are 1-2. and two. Uh, Lions beat them 27-24 on Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles, some last-minute heroics came up short. But quick turnaround. So does the disappointing loss to the Detroit Lions uh, make them a little uh, fiery going into Lambeau? Or with it being a quick turnaround, do we see a team that's kind of gassed that really is kind of limping into the bye week already? Yeah, um, the only possible way I see them coming into this game is, to be quite honest, defeated. That's the only word that comes to mind when I think of them coming into this game. They have so many injuries. It seems like every every game they're having two to three more starters go down. I mean, they're going to be out with, you're going to be without Deshaun Jackson. It, there's a possibility they could be out without um, Alshon Jeffrey, although he was kind of close to playing today. Never know what happens in these next couple days of practice. He could get us have a setback. I think two or three of their four defensive down linemen are out. Their cornerbacks are just... Music to my ears, baby. Their cornerbacks just get gashed time and time again. I love it. Sidney Jones and Ronald Darby. Send me more information. Give me more information, baby. (laughs) Give it to me all. Packers 3-0. I love it. I actually think Sidney Jones, their other starting cornerback, or no, maybe it was Ronald Darby. One of the two actually went down today. They lost another one. I know Carson um, Wentz is banged up with some rib problems. Oh, yeah. Their offensive line, Jason Peters, is out. He got hurt today. Andre Dillard comes in, he gets injured. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. It's just I like love it. they're rolling body bags out there and trying to get anybody they can find off the street, it seems like, at this point. And I was actually talking to my uncle after the games today. He lives out in Pennsylvania. He's a big Philly fan. And all he could say was, yeah, you guys are going to wipe the floor with us on Thursday. It isn't even going to be close. Well, I love it. Packers jump up 3 nothing right now, early right now, early. I will take it, like I've said, all episode long, I'll take wins all day. Packers 3-0, and Lambeau against the Eagles. Just what Jared just listed off. Just a litany of things to get excited about at uh, the quarterway mark of your Green Bay Packers full NFL 100 season. Post-game three, the Broncos on tap again. Packers are 3-0. and Savor it, Packer fans. I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I am Jared Masuga. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast.